step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
as a bearer of the divining rod and I will cease saying that you need to aspire to be a man or even a better man because you need to try your very best and fight your very hardest to be more than a man to recognize that you are greater than man you need to divest from manhood you need to divest from identifying yourself as a man that doesn't mean you simply change from calling yourself a man to calling yourself something else what this means is that you challenge every single thing about this culture the society the way that you have been trained to view relate to and utilize your body you need to rethink these things and redefine these things you need to reject everything you've ever been made to believe to be true there are many many truths that lay in the field for you on your road to divine masculinity you will have many pitfalls and traps in your way there will be women who are invested in keeping you at your lowest there will be women who are invested in keeping you in the mid's point. There are women and men who are invested in taking your very life to prohibit your soul's evolution. So as a bearer of the divining rod, which is what your phallus was created to be, your purpose in being birthed onto this planet is to protect the right of all who dwell therein. To walk this plane without injury by persons who share your gender cohort or the appearance of your gender cohort. As a bearer of the divining womb, I will not tell you that you need to be a better woman. I will cease saying to you that you need to be a better woman. You don't need to be a woe man. You don't need to be a female. You need to divest from these instruments that have been created by women, as all things are created by women, to keep us from ascending to our highest self and aspiring to the goals that were set forth by us in conjunction with the will of our higher self or the Most High. Your greatest gift, your greatest purpose, your highest aspiration has to be something more than being livestock on this planet. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. I am broadcasting on all frequencies, all channels. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. As a bearer of the divining womb, your purpose is to create inspiration for the divining rod to exist in this plane. You alone are God of his existence. Remember who you are. You alone divine womb are God 
of his existence, the divining rod. You give birth to both the divining rod and the beast of patriarchy. Remember who you are. You alone are God of his existence. Coming, coming to you loud, loud and clear. Like the brain doesn't want attention.
Yeah, baby. It's the Ang- Angry Divas, the triple dark dot the Angry Divas radio show. The Angry Divas air live weekdays on blogtalkradio.com at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard. Check out our website. That's www.angrydivas.com. Angry Divas. Get it right, boo. This has been another Big House production. The Angry Divas radio show. Radio show. Radio show. Radio show. Yeah, baby. It's the Angry Divas, the triple dark dot the Angry Divas radio show. The Angry Divas. Yeah, baby. It's the Angry Divas, the triple dark dot the Angry Divas radio show. Thank you 
it's the angry deeper of the angry, 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 it's the angry deeper of the angry, 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 it's the angry deeper of the angry, 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 it's the angry deeper of the angry, 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 it's the angry diva of the angry divas radio show on Love Talk Radio. So what you gonna do? It's the Angry Divas Radio Show with Triple Dark Goddess as the host. Airing live weekdays on Love Talk Radio at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check out our website. That's www.angrydivas.com. This has been another Big House production. The Angry Divas. It's the Angry Diva of the Angry, Angry, Angry. It's the Angry Diva of the Angry, Angry, Angry. It's the Angry Diva of the Angry, Angry. And 
there's this dude at the end of the driveway. He looks fucking crazy. He looks quite menacing. I'm going to be honest. And yo, I got to tell y'all, this looks like in my the guy who was in the dream actually looks like my neighbor's baby daddy. You know what I mean? Um, so funny enough, this is big black dude, you know, coming down the driveway, kind of, it looks almost, y'all know in them scenes with the Incredible Hulk, when that motherfucker start to run, that's what it looked like. And I was like, oh, what the hell? Oh, what the hell is this? So I pulled them into my house, closed the door. We slide the refrigerator, this is so funny, halfway over the door. And after that's done, I take a a long blackout shade, one of them light and cold and noise-canceling shades, right, and put it up over the door. I hand them a, a, a tack and the other end of the shade, and I say, here, put this up. He won't be able to get anything through here. He won't be able to see in or nothing. And so, you know, that's kind of the end of it. And I go on, you know, through the house and to the other side of the house and outside. And it's really, really sunny and it's like nothing ever happened. And I woke up from that. But as I was sitting, you know, because I woke up quite early this morning. So I was sitting meditating on that and thinking about, you know, the topic that I had come up with for today's show of being addicted to struggling. How we will put ourselves, and this is something that we women do all the time, will compromise ourselves, either trying to look out for somebody else or being concerned with their best interest or, or, or feeling like you're beholden to someone for some whatever the reason is. And so we will extend our safety, compromise even. I mean, nothing happened in the dream. But the point is the potential to compromise your safety and your domicile because you have taken somebody else into your home to protect them from some shit that was likely meant for their ass. See, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this because when I was we in church, the elder mothers, when they taught us intercessory prayer, how to intercede, how to stand in the gap, one of the things that they taught us is that you can't always intercede in everything. See, some things they said to us, I'll never forget it, Mother Reed. Some things, baby, God just mean for a person to go through. Don't get like you the Savior. You ain't the Savior. You just a ministering angel. And I'm glad that she said that to me. You know, she's passed on since then. But I'm glad that she said that to me because it helps me to see how looking out for someone else's best interest can compromise your own. How often do we end up in situations of stress or strife or struggle because we simply did, quote, unquote, the right thing before the wrong person? You know, another thing that the elder mothers used to really instill in us, and I know all of y'all's grandmammies and said this to you or you didn't heard her say it to somebody else a time or two, you don't cast your pearls 
before swine. You know why we do that? We don't understand the value of the pearl. You know? I've talked about this before. I'm not going to go from the position of, you know, actually going out and getting the pearl and what it takes to cultivate it. No, I'm going to talk about the value of it itself. How many pearls and gems do you have as far as wisdom, access, open doors, financial abundance, whatever? Your giving heart, your very nature. How many gems and pearls do you have that you don't really understand the value? You know, another reason that we get addicted to struggling, especially being females and black females in particular, is because we end up absorbing all of the societal cues, clues, and definitions of both our own womanhood and how we should perform said womanhood. So this false understanding of humility is how we end up in the struggle. You know, we feel like unless you've been through hell or something, you don't really know nothing about nothing. And In some ways, I can see the wisdom in that. But I also see how this is a curse against us as females, as women, as womb bearers. This is a curse against our abundance, our birthright. Pleasure is our birthright. You know, the key to life, the key of life, the ankh, is the clitoris. The clitoris exists solely for the purpose of your pleasure, for your creative spark, that divine fire, the things that would be pleasing in your sight. I don't mean that just sexually. Let's get our minds together. Let's get our minds together. I don't mean that just sexually, you know? How horrible that female pleasure has been reduced to sexual servicing of men. How horrible that our soul joy and pleasure comes from that. What about the key of life, a.k.a. pleasure, being delighting in your children living well? Glorying in your growth, really taking heed to the lessons. Why is that not also pleasure? Can it be? Let's change it. Let's make that also be pleasure. You know, financial solvency, being able to have enough, not just enough, but having all the resources that you need so that your children have the very best life. You know, we talk our children into accepting less than what they're worthy of and tell them that it's righteous. It's a crime. We're so addicted to the struggle and to struggling that in many cases, we don't see how we're cursing our children and making them accept less. You know, we had an episode here, Money Does Grow on Trees, where I did, I'm going to say, extensive work breaking down the fact that this horrible spell that our parents, 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 parents have been uttering via the power of their tongues, their words, their throat chakra itself over our family, creating multi-generational debt, low worth, and absolute poverty. (laughs) To the point where... By and large, black people have no wealth consciousness. It's hard to get one. 
we have become so addicted to the struggle that the struggle is the sole definition that we have for ourselves, how we view the world and how we experience that same world. I had to get over that fear of, of money. Yes, there's a, there's a fear involved. You know, the fear comes from, it, it comes a couple of different ways. And this is just how I see it. How you see it is something different. But what I'm seeing is the slave narrative, that constant we were slaves, we were slaves bullshit that every black person is taught to believe as true from our earliest childhood development years until whenever we come out from under them shackles and chains. That doctrine, that bartering and trading of human bodies for cash, for money, reducing a human being to chattel, to property. These are traumatic wounds been forced to absorb. Black people are sufferers of PTSD, and we don't really understand that. Very, very hypersensitive, and there are a lot of different triggers that can cause a black person to go the fuck off when disrespected, dishonored, and such the like. This is why they brand us as criminals and uh, unruly. Black women who express ourselves are angry and bitter and dangerous and to be frightened of. Because we understand PTSD, but we don't really honor it. It's no different than what's going on with a lot of these soldiers. When you see these news reports of people so-called going off, you got to ask yourself, were they being experimented on? Or is this the result of the experimental war stuff that they got going on that causes the PTSD? Because there's something that changes a person when they've been subject to traumas, pains, having to see heinous things. We've got sound warfare in our communities, light pollution, extra, extra, extra bright lights, so many fucking lights you can't see the stars. We've got all this noise, cars, sirens, helicopters. It's always something going on in our communities. Motherfuckers playing music loud, screaming across the damn street. Black people live in concentration camps. Yes. My dear, you do not need to fear them ever creating concentration camps just for you because they have already created them. And moreover, these are places where black people prefer to live than fuck you, USA. If you don't think for one second that a low-income neighborhood is a concentration camp, you better get your mind right. If you don't think for one second that the projects is a concentration camp, that these high-rise, low-income buildings that they put together is a concentration camp, concentration and camp. Let's look at those two words separately. Let's take out the whole... Holocaust stuff associations that we've been trained to have with these words, and let's begin to look at them differently. Concentration. Can you concentrate and focus on yourself in black communities? No. It is more so about keeping populations together, that they feel fit together. It's easier to control a population when they're concentrated in one area. 
So they have concentrated us and our energies to remain in one area with one way of thinking, doing, being, and relating to the world. And those of us that make it out of that shit or, you know, never ended up there, that's a whole different story. We're not talking about us. We're talking about something totally different here. We can't concentrate in those neighborhoods. I know. I remember when we moved into them because my mother foolishly thought I need to be around my people. I don't know what the hell happened to her. But she started thinking that these neighborhoods with these kinds of people were her people. There's a difference. We're not a monolith. And so we move from a neighborhood of black folks into a concentration camp where black people are dwelling. You couldn't concentrate on your goals then. It became very, very difficult. I never had trouble praying. I never had trouble meditating until we moved there. I didn't have trouble focusing on my goals and my dreams and stuff until we moved there. And and here are some of the things that happened to females in particular. And I can speak about this because this is what I know as a female. When you feel threatened, when you don't feel safe, when you're constantly harassed, when every time you walk out your door there's trash, there might even be syringes, there's broken glass all over the place, dog shit everywhere, or whatever the hell, God only knows, it might have been human shit, who knows, okay? Abandoned, boarded up houses, vagrants on the corner, vagrants following children and harassing children, adult fucking male harassing young girls sexually, following them, making comments on their bodies. When this is the kind of space that you grow up in as a girl child, you start to make yourself smaller and smaller and smaller to fit into the world because you understand very intimately that for now you are trapped and you might not ever make it out of there. That is something that I realized when my mother moved us from a neighborhood where we were thriving into a neighborhood that ultimately destroyed my family. I understood then. The reason that black families fail, I know, I know, I know. We want to blame the black man and the black woman. And I'm not saying for one second that that's not true. What I am saying is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood alone, but also against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. These are things we forgot. So see, we are a tribal people. If my tribe has dishonored our fucking ancestry and decided that we were going to make white Jesus our God and Savior, we bring ourselves under a curse and then we move in next door to you. Who was already always an enemy house and, you know, now your family's seven-day advantage and then there's another enemy house across the street and them motherfuckers is Muslim. You know, there's too much war going on. There can't be any concentration. How can you build something? When there's nothing but fighting. See, when your energies are depleted because you have to do so much putting out of fires, you don't have the time and the energy to put into your children, to yourself. Hell, what can you give your children when you are but a scrap of fudge when you used to be a woman, you know? So, my mother, although 
her primary focus when we were quite young was that she did not want us to grow up in a predominantly black neighborhood because she wanted us to go to better schools and have all these great opportunities and not have to be harassed and all of this here. And so we grew up in a neighborhood where people had sense, where the men liked their women. They didn't hate their fucking women. They didn't let their sons be goddamn animals, okay? But my mother... See, I didn't know this then. It wasn't until I became a woman that I could really understand what my mother's thinking process was at the time. See, my mother grew up in that shit. She grew up in that. She grew up in what was known as Columbia Point at the time. It's now Harbor Point. And it is no longer a project building. Now it's high-rise with a few allotments for low-income families. It's right on the waterfront. They used to relegate all the poor folk in Boston to the waterfront until, you know, the rich whiteys decided that they wanted some shit, and then here we hang all the raising of the buildings, which I also feel, not feel, I know, that the raising of these buildings was so that the government would not be able to have anyone prove that they had been poisoning and gassing people for years in these developments. These things were raised and and brought down, and they used black people's own stupidity and hatred of themselves and one another to justify it. You don't believe me? I believe it was in Louisiana where they proved that they had been testing these people with some form of gas. I can't remember what the gas was, but it caused all sort of respiratory problems. All up and down the Midwest right now, we got kids with black kids primarily. We got kids coming up with respiratory issues. I posted a video yesterday, and we talked about it yesterday, a white preacher. Y'all know whenever a black person says something, it's just a conspiracy theory, but let a white motherfucker say it, it's gospel. A white preacher. Was talking about how they have created disease, pathogens that target people based on their race. I was talking with another friend of mine, and she was saying this is how stupid Negroes are, you know? Sickle cell fucking anemia is a genetic mutation that was designed to protect us from fucking malaria. And so all of these dumb sickle cell having ass Negroes need only go to a place where there is malaria, become exposed to it, and the malaria will heal the sickle cell into a normal cell. Not only that, but you will now have an immunity to malaria. But no. Negroes would rather continue to go to big white daddy pharma, getting drugs that make them worse and worse and worse and crying with the 1-800-hour-bad lawsuit that gets them a check for $8.50 motherfucking cents. I laugh. If you're right, you know, we had... I have a sister in the chat room talking about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Yes. We know all the different things that have been done to constantly hurt, barrage, and get us to not trust, to doubt, but to also be stuck, to be addicted to struggle. It's the only identity we've ever been afforded. It's the primary identity. It's the one they would like for us to continue on in. Struggle is synonymous with black. Moreover, it is the only way we value ourselves. That's why that started from the bottom. Now we hear shit was talking. We didn't start from the bottom. 
We didn't start from the bottom. We started at the top. In the beginning was God, and God was a black woman. And here we are. And now here we are. So, you know, I was looking at how my mother, this was a part of her early childhood development, so it was normal for her. She had grown up in this place around these people, and it was a different time as well. You know, they hadn't begun the psychological sound and light warfare use against black people or ramped it up the way that they have in the past almost 30 years. So 30 years ago, hell, 40 years ago, we'll say, 40, 45 years ago, when my mother was a little, almost preteen, and living in these neighborhoods before her family bought their home, you know, and did the whole home ownership thing, you know, yay, landowners. This is where she grew up, but it was a very different world. See, at the time, especially being in Boston, when they had begun that whole busing experiment, that social experiment between the poor whites and the poor blacks of Boston, my mother and her cohort, her people, her her group, her generational group, there was a very clear and decided enemy. And that clear and decided enemy had been determined as someone who did not look like us and who was outside of us. Somewhere along the line, though, because I'm not trying to say that that's invalid, but somewhere along the line, we began to romanticize the enemy within. We became blinded to those enemies within, both in our own self as individuals, because there's an agreeable and a disagreeable for all of us, both within our own self as individuals and also within the collective. It became more likely to happen than not that we would overlook the heinous things that black people were doing to black people because we were not willing to turn our brothers and sisters over to this very racist entity that we knew was out to kill, steal, and destroy us. That bred what we're seeing today. They said to me, used to be a day we'd have took some of these little rat niggas out back and beat their ass, broke their knees in, taught them how to treat a woman better. Something happened where we became ridiculously willing to infantilize ourselves, our expectations of ourselves and of each other. And along that line, we became very addicted to the struggle. See, there's something about, you know, when they say you are what you eat, that means more than just the food that you, you know, slop down and put in your belly. We're also talking about the things you read, the things you hear, the people you talk to. You know, the, the people you talk to, the five people, get five people in your mind. Talk, the five people that you talk to the most, get some people in your mind. Think about them. Think about the energies they bring, the things you guys talk about. Think about how you feel when you hang up the phone. Think about how often you've said something to the effect of, oh, I always feel so much better when I talk to so-and-so. You know, so-and-so and I always figure something out. If we got a problem, we can always talk and figure it out. If I've got something wrong in my life and she or he got something wrong in their life, we can have a conversation, and at the end of the day, we've got some solutions. Or is it, I always feel so fucking tired. So-and-so always got the same complaint. They got problems, and it's always the same problem. And every time they say that they try to do something different, it always becomes an excuse and how it's not their fault that it didn't work out. 
think about the people you spend the most of your time with. Are they talking with you about building businesses? Are they talking with you about how to enhance what you're already doing? Are they talking with you about warnings and things that they see that you maybe could do a little different, tweak it here, do it that, you know, to make it better, to make it grow, to give it some greater substance? Or are they always them negative Nellies, you know? They always got an ache and a pain. And you hang up with a headache or a heavy heart or you feel tired or crabby. Pay attention because you are what you eat. And every time we have a conversation with someone, that's an energetic alchemy. You have to make sure, and this is something that my own ancestral guides have really been kicking my ass on all my life. Make sure that what you put out is being returned in equal measure. You know what that means? That means that if I'm giving you fire and you ain't giving me shit, I got to drop you. I do. I've got to drop you. It's not feeding me. No, what we do, and especially women, women especially do this, and I hate that we do this. As much as I love the positive aspect of it, you know, there's a negative and a positive to everything. As much as I love the positive aspect, I can't stand this other side of it. Long suffering through bullshit. I do it too. We were trained to do it. We were programmed to do it. We were encouraged to do it. It's that fake-ass forgiveness program. When I decided I was never going to forgive another living soul for anything they'd done against me, I didn't realize that I was kind of setting myself up. Because I said another living soul. You know, that includes me. You can't say that the only person worthy of forgiveness in your life is you and then exclude yourself, (laughs) you know? And I had to get that and understand that, yeah, we don't forgive other people for what they've done, but we forgive ourselves. I forgive me for ignoring the signs. You know, you have an experience with someone, a negative experience in a friendship or a relationship, whatever. Maybe it's your cousin and them. Who knows? It could be anything, anywhere, your job. You got all these signs and symbols telling you something ain't right, break camp. You keep on keeping on, keep on keeping on. And the whole shit blows up in your face. You know, we usually can remember every sign after that. We miss them all in the moment. I was very fortunate to have this conversation with Sister Jacqueline Harris when we had our meeting on Friday. And she actually, she said to me that it was Dr. York that said this. And y'all know I'm not a Yorkian. You know, I'm just now finding out about the brother. Got the books on the way. But, um... <laughs> And part of the reason I'm not is because of what his rat bastard followers have done in, in his name. But I had to understand something. People do these things on purpose to keep us from being able to have access to that which is going to help us change and grow. I don't want you to like me. Actually, I prefer that you don't fucking like me. I don't want you to like me. See, when you like somebody, you feel entitled to tell them shit. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> I don't want you to like me. I'm not here for you to like me. I'm not here for you to think like me either. I don't want that. The fuck? I'm not here for a following. I just want you to think, period. And of course, I want you to think differently. And also, this is helping me to continue to think differently. But she said that Dr. York 
in one of his teachings, and I think it was a class she went to, had said that the reason I'm paraphrasing y'all, so don't don't be like, well, she fucked up what the teacher said. Don't don't do that to me. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing and I'm trying to remember what she said. But it was something to the effect of the reason we end up in problems, and I'm going to actually expand on it because it sits with my show here. The reason we end up addicted to the struggle is because, as Dr. York said, we're living in the past. We're not living in the now. I thought about that when she said it to me. I thought about going and getting a pedicure. You're supposed to be relaxing. You know, you're in the spa. You're getting you a spa pedicure. They're doing that little mud thing on your feet, whatever the hell they do. And I'm supposed to be relaxing. And I'm sitting here thinking about this blog post and that thing for Angry Divas and this part of my other business and that and that and that. And I got to call Sister So-and-so and remind her about this. You know, not living in the moment. Not really living, playing in the future neither. No, we, we tell ourselves that shit. But as the sister said to me, the Dr. York said to her, then when we get to the, we never really get to the future because we call it today. The future comes and we call it today. So stop living in your future and in your past and live in your now. Thankful that she said it because you know how you hear something and it just rings through and you have these resonance moments, you know? And I did because I was listening to that from her. And she was quoting Dr. York, and I'm thinking to myself, I say that. I say that all the time. That we create our future with everything we do right now. But we can't make no future if we're addicted to struggling, so we're staying in the past. I want to encourage you who have children, especially if they ain't already been tainted by this system, keep them pure. Don't you ever teach your child that they was a slave. I don't care if you got to teach them that they was a fairy or a dragon or whatever, but do not teach them that they were slaves or that they are the descendants of slaves or that this narrative is even true. It is the worst thing that we do to our children to allow some motherfucker, some pus-colored motherfucker, to tell them that the primordial original dark womb of creation is somehow inferior, slave stock, easily conquered, divided, reprogrammed, no language, no God, but the one we gave you, which is Cesare Borgia anyhow. This is terrible. This is how we end up addicted to the struggle. When I was a little, little girl, there was one thing in this world that I really wanted to do. I'm going to share it with you. I loved to read and write. I hated school because they wouldn't let me read in school. And then when it was time to read, if it was an assigned reading, if I went ahead of the class, I would get reprimanded verbally and even punished for being ahead of the class because they were slow, and I was, I'm was i a fucking speed demon. I move quick. I am not on the frequency of these inferior seeds. I'm not. We move faster, my kind. So, advanced baby that I was, all I ever wanted to do was write. I loved writing. It was my greatest escape. 
I wrote my first book. I was five years old. It was called An Easter Bunny. <laughs> I wrote my second book. I was nine years old. And it was about it. It was a hot-ass summer. I will not forget this. It was so hot. It was a heat wave in Boston. Like seven days and 90-degree temperatures. God, help me. 98 and shit. Ugh. You know what I mean? And for Boston, that's bad because we're surrounded by water. So you can only imagine. You could cut the air with a butter knife. Hell, with a piece of damn... (laughs) You could have cut that air with a piece of damn floss. But I digress. It was hot. So nine-year-old Triple wrote a story about a corn farm and how it was so hot that the whole county ended up being overcovered with um, popcorn. The corn ended up turning into popcorn. I won all kinds of awards on that story. It's published and copywritten, so don't try me. Don't you fucking try me. That's all I ever wanted to do. Well, I get to middle school, and my my Jewish teacher says to me, writing is not a very lucrative career for a black woman. I was crushed. She was a writer, so I looked up to her, and I was crushed. Because I had already been taught inferiority. My mother, my father, and the school system had already taught me inferiority. See, we think we're helping our children, but you're not. Something my mother and father used to say to us all the time, and you might have heard this before. You got to work twice as hard and be twice as good to get half of what they get. These sorts of self-defeating things that we impart to our children that we think is wisdom or sound wisdom, you're talking to an impressionable young mind. You're talking to someone who does not have adult consciousness. They don't have the ability to process things the way that you might or you do. So we repeat these idioms. Money doesn't grow on trees. You've got to work twice as hard and be twice as good to get half of what they get. We, was, we come from slaves. Our people are in this country because, you know, a white man robbed us from Africa and brought us here. And all of this whole sort of thing. Not only that, but we was taken to church and we was given Jesus. So the white man was God. His mother superior to us as well as the mother of God. And these are the things that shaped our early childhood development, myself and my peers. And so the rebellion is beaten out of children because, see, this is the prime age that a child should be like, man, fuck whatever you thinking, bitch. I'm going to do what I want. (laughs) But black people want obedient children. We want obedient children. You break their soul. You break their spirit. You force them to conform. You teach them that they're nothing. You teach them that their people come from slaves. You let other motherfucking pus-colored people teach them that their people come from slaves. You let pus-colored people become the authority over even you because they're the principal and the teacher and the math teacher and the coach. These are the things that we do, and we don't pay attention at all. They're paying attention. They've already got it quantified. They know this is why it's kept up. See, if it works, why change it? But we're not able to because we're not able to concentrate because we've already been concentrated. We've already been concentrated. So we cannot concentrate for ourselves, on ourselves, on our own soul evolution and development. 
these things end up impeding our children. So when this woman said this to me, I thought to myself, oh, wow, you know, I watched mommy struggle trying to put life together for us four, us four children. I don't want to have that. I don't want to do that. You know, I got to, if if it's going to be more money, well, I always did like law, so, okay, I'll be a lawyer then, and I'll just write as a hobby. I will never forget telling my godmother that, and she cussed me up one side and down the other. Y'all, I'm glad for the dark mother. I am. I am. Very glad for the dark mother. She said to me, you got, you are in, I think I was in middle school. Yep, it was like eighth grade. You're in eighth grade. You've got the next four years to think about that. You have to finish four years of high school, four years of college, and then three years of law school. That is a long time off. Why don't you right now focus on what you have? See, there goes that lesson about living in the now. Mm. What you have right now is your pen and your notebook and your words. Focus on that. And I said, okay, you know, thank you. And bounced on about my way and kept on writing, kept on writing, kept on writing. And I'm glad that she said that to me because at that point, I did not then have a struggle mentality because she got me to not be thinking about the so-called future and how hard it was going to be because I'm a black woman. No, no, no. Think about right now. What do you have right now? You got your pen. You got your prose. You got to go to school. You got to make good grades. That's all you got right now. It's not a bad thing to tell your children to look to their future, but it is a bad thing to have your children thinking that their future is something that they have to meticulously plan out, chart out, and live according to whatever worldview it is that you have to impart to them. Let's not kill their imaginative spirit. Black children are brilliant. They've been brain dead because they've been bashed in the brain with boredom for too long. Very innovative. Very creative. I know. I used to be one. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you something about the kind of children that black women are giving birth to and have been since at least 1982, especially my particular group who came through. They call us indigos and all this whole shit. Let me tell you something. We're just the ancients who came back. We can do things and come up with stuff that will have everybody looking at you like, how? We're wise beyond our years. No one ever believes my age, and they never have. As soon as I had an idea, I've been carded all my life. I still get carded when I go to the damn liquor store. Ain't that about a bitch? (laughs) They don't believe my age. And it used to bother me, but I understand it now. We're not used to this. Black children are geniuses. They're little geniuses, but they never really get to actualize their potential because they are fed a steady diet of struggle addiction from the womb to the tomb. From the womb to the tomb. Let's think about the way that black women are having babies. Black women are having sex. That's your fucking right. 
that sex, because a lot of women do not understand their bodies, and let's just be perfectly honest here, up until my generation, did women know anything about ovulation? Not really. I tell you what, my godmother and my mother's age of folk, my godmother just found out a year ago what ovulation was, and she found out from me. I had a little feeling, and I said, oh, I'm ovulating. And she looked at me, what? Child, what are you saying to me? I said, auntie, I can tell everything going on in my body. I can feel it. What the hell is that, though? And I looked at her. She got five children. I started crying. I said, auntie, you've just been so denied your glory. And I started to explain to her. She's looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, why are you crying? She couldn't understand. That's okay. I couldn't explain it either. I just only could go through what that energy was. The reason I cried is because I know I understood very, very intimately then what the whole setup had been done for black women and two black women to completely remove her brain. Remember I said yesterday, black is a brainless being. Being lack, brain, lack, black. Black is a brainless being. Be lack. Brain lack. To remove your cosmic intelligence from you, to remove your ability to connect your own physical womb to the cosmic womb, that is how we became whoa, man. I understand there's a lot of sisters who think they're being cute calling us, calling us womb man. Ain't no man in me. Shouldn't be no man in you. And it shouldn't be no man in any penis-bearing human either. Because man, male and female created he, them, are gender identity disorders of this system. And they were created to take us away from remembrance that we're divine. See, once you get into that what a real man and a real woman is, you really aren't shit. The fact that you even have to be told what a real man or a real woman should do lets us know that even the animals are greater than you. And men and woman are but one degree away from being an animal. So when we have to have these real men take care of their kids and real women don't do, when we have to have those conversations and tell so-called intelligent, evolved, or superior people what to do, how to do it, what it means to do and be a human being of either quote-unquote, gender identity disorder. You know just how far we've fallen. And that's the point of the creation of these things. Dawn has talked about it before, the spell of Leviathan. Person, place, and thing. This person spell is one of the greatest curses on us ever. I am not a person, goddammit. I am God. I am not a person. I am God. There's a difference. See, people are easily controlled. Whenever I stand as a person, (laughs) and I hate being a person, you know what I mean? I hate fucking this human shit. (laughs) But whenever I stand in that human shit, blind and stupid, 
you start being human and giving a fuck about somebody else's goddamn feelings or thoughts or words or descriptions of you, and you fall off your divine throne. You didn't step off. No, you fell off of that bitch like someone pushed you. Either that or you jumped off of it. I used to do that all the time. This is why I created the Angry Divas radio show and the Angry Divas platform. I got tired of being told I was angry all the time. And then giving up power. I'm not angry. I'm not. Yeah, you know what? I am. I am. Not all the time, of course. You know, Diva laughs, baby. Mm. (laughs) Diva laughs and dances and parties and has a grand old time. But as soon as I started to call myself angry, do you know how few people brandish that at me anymore? See, when they know you don't give a fuck, they stop trying you. When they know you're no longer addicted to the fucking struggle, they stop fucking with you. They only fucking with you anyway because they're frightened of your divestment from the struggle addiction as your sole identity as a black-skinned human being on this planet. No, no, no. You're not even black-skinned and human no more. Now we melanated God. That shit is frightening to a slave. That is frightening to a black person, black, brainless being, brain lack. It's frightening to them, so they're going to fuck with you and fuck with you and fuck with you to try to get you back in that struggle to cause something to besmirch your name or, or upset your energy field. You can't let them. When you let them is when you fuck up. That's how you jump off your throne. They don't use angry. I don't get called angry anymore. I don't get called bitter anymore. Well, only the dumbasses who don't understand who I am or what this is. You know, we have one dumbass black man every once in a blue moon who either comes through here or comes on the Angry Diva fan page on Facebook and posts some, you angry, you sound angry and bitter. Just show you right, motherfucker. delete that comment and leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they know that they can't fuck with you on this shit, they stop. When black people stop letting their children be taught that they're slaves because a motherfucking pus-colored motherfucker said it, they'll stop. Why do we cling to these things? See, we cling to... I could understand black people teaching their children the whole slave narrative shit if black people were also teaching their children how to curse these pus-colored animals. I could understand that. But they're not. They're not. No, black people are still calling the means by which we hold these people accountable witchcraft and voodoo. And as long as white Jesus' penis is in your throat... You will constantly be opposed to that which you are supposed to do to get back what is yours. That's one thing I'm glad for over at WGAG, for real, for real. When they do that Holy Tablets, when I first ever heard the Holy Tablet show, and she started talking about Yeshua in the garden and how the motherfuckers came to attack, and that motherfucker said, uh-uh, bitch, get your sword. 
get your sword. You know what I mean? He didn't stand up, don't shoot, motherfucker. He didn't do that shit. He got sword. See, this is what they want. When you don't resist, they ain't worried about you. They ain't worried about you. The only reason anyone ever had anything negative to say about the angry diva is that I resist. Not even resist. That's not true because what you resist persists. No, no, no. I divest. I stand completely against it all, and I really don't give a flaming fuck what you think about what I say. You don't got to listen to You know, when you give up your divine right of restoration, retribution, and restitution, you bear the debt and the curse. And so too do your children's children's children. Because listen, honey, the sins of the mother and the father are visited upon the entire bloodline. You got a bloodline of women who've been raped. Somebody cursed your bloodline, your matrilineal bloodline. You got to figure out when, where, how, why, so you can undo that shit. Yes, curses can be broken. And yes, God can be cursed. How do you think we got here? We did not start from the bottom. Now we here. We started from on high and then we failed. Now we're doing that restorative work. And the sole reason, and this is why I, I know, and I said it before, one in four black women will divest from this fucking ass system. The rest of you. We'll be out here trying to get you some black patriarchy going to compete with the dog bitches. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not interested in that. I don't want no black fucking patriarchy. Not trying to trade one master for another. No, thank you. One in four of us will get out of this. We'll divest from it. You know why? Because we will really, truly, and our soul get sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's how you get off the hamster wheel of being addicted to the struggle. We've got about two minutes remaining before we go into overtime, everybody. I want to get it out before the little lady announces it in my ear. 347-826-9930 is the call-in number. If you wanted to ask a question, weigh in, ask something, give a little, hey, yo, amen, whatever. You know what I mean? 347-826-9930. Again, 347-826-9930. I see we do have a caller who's been diligently waiting, like, at least an hour. Peace be unto you today, Blayton and Justice. 90 seconds, everybody. It's official. I'm going to put it in the chat room. Um, if y'all can make sure the flash chat link is in there as well so cause people get kicked out. Blog talk is crazy. Here, let's put some links in there. Peace, Blayton and Justice. How you doing today, Mama? Hey, how you doing? Doing lovely, sis. Can you hear me? Lovely. I sure can. 
Oh, okay. I didn't know whether you could hear me or not. I was this 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 computer been messing with me. I was in the chat room and then I pushed the button and everything went off. <laughs> Sixty seconds, oh. everybody, before we go into overtime. I'm seeing people get kicked the fuck out. Y'all come on back in, here's the link. If you don't call in, you will get cut out and you won't be able to hear the last hour of the show. But if you do call in, you will be able to hear the last hour. Um, you can press 1 to be able to speak to the host and ask a question or add in, or don't press 1. I don't give a shit. You can just listen. That's fine with me, too. Peace. Let's do it. 347-826-9930. 33 seconds before we're in overtime. If that's your time with us for today, peace be your journey, peace be unto you, and we will be back in here tomorrow for Wednesday. Go ahead, Blake. What you got for me today, Mama? Um, I... I've been amening the whole time. I got a little uh, thrown off by the fact that this thing cut out on me. But uh, but um, yes. I've been amening the whole time because, of course, everything you've been saying has been on time. And I uh, made my little comments in the chat room before I kick myself out some kind of way. Oh, let me get a look. <laughs> I ain't even been in the chat room. <laughs> let me look. I ain't been in since Soupy Feminist said Tuskegee syphilis experiment. That was like an hour ago. My bad. Okay, sounds <laughs> right to me, peace. Me too for math. Exactly. I got you. I see you now, baby. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I Long as we, long as we uh, buy into the spell, we go stay under it. It's only when we come to a remembrance of our true selves that we're going to be free from the spell that we have been put under. And it takes a good Absolutely. Absolutely. It takes a willingness to really invest in yourself. Which that's why I use the word divest. So if we're gonna invest in us, we gotta make room for that. You don't have no room to invest in yourself if you've already invested yourself in some other shit. You got to change what you've been doing to be able to have room to invest in yourself. You know, I used to say shit like, Oh my god, I don't have no money to get my toes did. I really want to go get my toes did. Oh, I ain't got no money for no $30 pedicure, girl. I ain't, uh, I, ain't got, I ain't trying to spend no money on that. Well, you know what? Out of your mouth comes the truth. So you say some shit and it's going to become true for you. Am I wrong or right? All right? We can all live this. We adults here. We can be truthful. So, you know, you done bespelled yourself out of some abundance because you constantly reiterate what you don't have. Well, one day I said, mm-hmm. well, I'm never going to be able to get my toes done. I'm tired of doing this shit myself. I'm never going to be able to get them done. It <laughs> like this, you know? So about three years ago, I said, I am going to make a commitment that twice a month I get my pedicure on. I'm going to find me a nice pedicurist. I'm going to allot $50 a month to this. I'm going to find a nice pedicurist that I can pay her $25 each time, and this is going to be what happens. Well, you know what? When I changed my vibration from I don't have and I ain't got and how it's so hard, oh, 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 what about this, and blah, 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 blah. Do you know that I always had that $50 for my fucking toes to always be done twice a month? Bi-weekly. I always had that $50, so bi-weekly I could put 25 here and 25 there and do that twice a month pedicure. 
We have to make a conscious contract to invest in ourselves. I had to divest from somewhere else, which meant stop speaking all manner of ill over my pocket and start talking life into my pocket. Then I have money not just for the pedicure, boo, three years ago when I got this whole shit on. I had not only money for the pedicure every two weeks. I was getting hands done every two weeks, eyebrows done every two weeks, facials and some more shit because I decided to invest in me. You know? It's just amazing how much difference there is in your financial abundance and your cosmic abundance and your mental abundance and your emotional abundance when you change the way you talk about a thing, the words you use to describe something, to speak to or about yourself, your situation, the things you, the way you describe it even. I had to get real creative. You know what? What is the truth? I used to be one of them horrible people who, you know, couldn't lie. I still can't lie. It's terrible. I know. I can't lie. It's horrible. And I've tried to tell myself that I can, you know, speak those things as though they were. But I was always one of those people. So my mother knew if some shit popped off, she just could ask Triple, and Triple was going to spill the beans because Triple did not like to lie, and Triple just could not do it. You know, I, I would sit there and start sweating trying to think up a way to half tell the truth without telling the whole story. Like, oh, God, Mom, I'm so sorry. Okay, this is what happened. We went, and it happened, you know. <laughs> I'm also sorry. <laughs> my sisters hated me because they couldn't do shit. They started doing shit and not letting me know because I would spill the beans. Mama just looked at me. I would be so guilty that I had to tell her. Well, I'll tell you what. That got me in trouble because not everybody is genuine and honest. So I was too honest and too genuine and too open and too free with my details. I had to learn the hard way. People will tell you a motherfucking fear while you telling the truth, and they gleaning all your shit to use against you, and you don't know nothing about them. Okay? You don't know nothing about them. Everything they tell you is good stuff. You don't know nothing about them. You know, we have to be very careful with that. That's another one of the things that get us in trouble, Blake, and I just, you know, wanted to share that right quick. Yeah. Uh, telling people the truth about themselves that they don't want to hear. <laughs> then they come at you with all kinds of venom and poison. I used to have that problem. You know how I got over that problem? Mm-hmm. I started saying to people this. Now, understand this is me that you're asking advice from. <laughs> you realize who you call to ask about. You want to hear what I think about some shit. Not what you think I'm going to tell you or what you want to hear, but what I really see and think on this. Are you sure you want me to answer mm-hmm. that question? And the motherfuckers will laugh. Everybody laugh. You know what I mean? I don't know. Is it my voice? I don't fucking know. They just laugh, though. You know what I mean? They laugh. And then, girl, you so crazy. You so crazy. Well, here, here's what it is. Nigga, you the whole fucking snare. So what would you do? And I bust the shit down. Well, first of all, I wouldn't even talk to this stupid motherfucker. But um, <laughs> since you didn't did that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What? You wouldn't ask me what I think. So they get all pissed. Right. Well, I, you, that was just rude. No, it wasn't rude. It wasn't what you wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Now, I told you, monkey ass, before we got started, that I was going to tell you in no uncertain terms exactly what the hell I thought and saw as this, this situation is pertaining. You didn't want to hear what I thought and saw. You shouldn't ask me. You know what I mean? Right. I don't. And then I stopped doing it for free, blatant. 
Now, I do give a lot of advice for this, not to say I don't ever. But for the most part, I charge people so that they can have consults with me. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. I started noticing, this is black people that do this, black folks, all right? I don't deal with nobody else. Black people, black people, whether they pay or they don't pay, they're going to dishonor and disrespect your time. A lot of this is poor home training and a lack of class. So we we have no fucking respect nor honor for the wisdom that a black woman has to impart. We don't. We're so used to being able to have access to black women's wisdom without valuing it, without it costing us something to have access to this black woman's wisdom, that we don't know what to do. You know, Oprah was on TV for free for years. Soon as she created her own network, you know how many black bitches are mad about it? You know, all that she did and all that she gave, you know, black people were mad that she didn't give more. Dre went and donated mm-hmm. a couple of million dollars with his business partner. Actually, Dre put, like, pennies in compared to what this other person put in. But because Dre has the big name, we're going to let him be the front man for this donation to, I think it was USC. Do you know that black people are bitching that Dre didn't give it to a HBCU? Fuck the chitlin circuit of school. <laughs> Fool when she told me that. One of them's horn is bent. 
And I knew that it was a, she was very, very old, a very old goat. And I was like, she's been in captivity for too long. Stuff starts to change with animals. Orca whales, they start to get the Ben Finn. Y'all remember Free Willy? I'm not talking. I'm telling the truth, okay? I'm not just talking. I'm telling the truth. Something happens to alter a natural way of being once you are in captivity, and especially if you have children, if you breed within captivity. And it's not, this is why I said they've concentrated us. And, you know, whenever you think of concentrate, like uh, orange juice concentrate, right? Made from concentrate. That means that they had reduced it down to make it more potent and then Mm -hmm. put something to it to stretch it. So they reduced it down so they can get more bang for the buck. Go ahead. I'm sorry, honey. Go ahead. That's why I can't see why people voluntarily move into these gated communities. I call them prison colonies. Why would you buy into one of these things? I I don't get it. I would. You know why I would? Because? Because a gated community and peace walls around the ghetto is two different things. Mm. Look at here. And actually, I don't want to be in no fucking community because I don't like people. You know, I don't don't like people. If I'm going to have me a gated community, it's going to be 400 acres of land with a big-ass fucking 8-foot, 10-foot fence around that bitch. You feel me? Gated community of me, myself, and I. <laughs> you know? Now that I can deal with. But how, why would All you right. want to be gated in with other people? Well, it depends on the type of community, you know? Now, mm-hmm. if it's like, for all intents and purposes, we got a couple of them up here. They don't necessarily call them gated communities, but it's a big-ass set of high-rises or whatever, luxury apartments, luxury condos. They've got the pool, indoor, outdoor, state-of-the-art gym, um, laundry facilities. Some places got theaters in there. You know, it depends on the amenities that come with it and the kind of lifestyle you want to live. But for me, I mean, if you've got children or something, you know, I could see that being a great thing. They usually have different community activities for the children. Your children don't have to go outside of this group of people who are raising their children likely similarly or with similar values as you that are going to schools together. They don't got to go interact with the children of the beast in the low culture, you know? We live where we started out when I was growing up. We were in a gated community. Here's how it was gated. The train system. Anywhere where there's a metro with trains, they use the trains to divide the cities up. The red line is Blackistan. Fuck you, USA. The orange line, for the most part, runs from um, Richie, more wealthy, white Boston, or Jamaica Plain, Rosendale area, over in the Jamaica Plain Pond area, um, down all the way through to the other end of Boston, damn near into Lowell, all right? All along this strip is the financial district, businesses, malls. It's kind of like the... the, um, the orange line and the green line we have here. I'm just describing. If y'all looked up the Boston MBTA Transit, you can understand what I'm saying to you. The orange line and the green line run along a certain tax bracket. That's a better way to say that. A certain tax bracket. The red line runs along a certain tax bracket too. And it's red line. Look at that. The red line train keeps the black Boston separate from everybody else. It's an interesting concept the way that they've done this, but you know pretty much depending on where you're living, 
what kind of neighborhood you're going to be getting into, what kind of class group. So you can be in a predominantly white neighborhood, but the black people in that group are going to have a different class experience, different education, a different value system than people who have always been concentrated, reduced, and kept struggling. So then we have the accusations of uppityness, wanting to be white, you know, because you have a whole different world. We used to have to deal with this in my own family, where my cousins, oh, auntie kids, think they white. They want to be white because we wanted to go to college and not be baby mama. We, we thought we were white. No, really. I'm serious. That's the only reason. We were well-read, well-spoken, and we wanted to go to college and not be baby mamas. And that alone was enough to get us classed as white because we had a different value system for ourselves, our womb, and our contributions to the planet. You know, it's just it's interesting how even in the same family you can have these things come about where you've got one group of folk who was always intended to do something else and one group of folk who simply wasn't. You know, we're not really a family in our quote-unquote family cohorts anymore because we have all kinds of different bloodlines being mixed in. People are not breeding smartly. They're breeding in captivity. Some of these people aren't even breeding within their species. No wonder your bloodline is fucked up. And I'm not talking about race. I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about you You a fucking cosmic race of angelic beings, and y'all are fucking snake people. Something is wrong. <laughs> Something's wrong. Now you got enemy bloodlines going on in your own fucking family. You know what I mean? And one group remembers yeah. and one group forgets. And one group is going to remember one day, and one group just ain't never going to be anything. Interesting how it works out. Anyway, Blayton, I've got another caller. Give me a quick second. 713-566, your mic is open. Peace be unto you. You're on with the Angry Divas. Did you want to say something, ask a question, weigh in, wave your hanky? <laughs> Peace. I just was listening and um, just listening mainly. Um, oh, it's Sophie. Hey, Sophie. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. I caught the energy, but I was like, I don't, I don't think that's her number. So I, you know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me make sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thank you for your addition in the chat room on the, the Tuskegee um, syphilis experiment. I appreciated that you, you know, have my back there. I really do. Well, yeah, because um, you know, when you look at the timeline, that was actually just fifty years ago, which in the timeline of of being is, is like the blink of an eye. So there are things that either we don't know or we have forgotten, and um, it's killing us. Because I remember in one of my classes, um, there was a reference in a book to the high population of STDs among blacks in the South. And it just stuck with me. I didn't say anything right at that moment, but it just stuck with me. And finally I understood why that did not sound right to me. And it was because of the Tuskegee experiment. Yes, they will now say that blacks in the South have a higher percentage of STDs, but there is a reason for that. And that reason is because 50 years ago, we were um, black men were still being infected uh, and left with um, syphilis untreated. So, um, which means that they went home to their wives. 
um, you, you understand what I'm saying? So there was generations that have been destroyed by this. So, yes, it would look like if we had, they have a higher number of STDs, but that is because of what was deliberately done to them by the U.S. government. Yep. Um, but we get to look like we were just some promiscuous whores, and that is the reason right. that black folks, and that's not true. See, they won't account for what actually happened. And if we don't yes. make them account for it, they won't account for it. You know, I remember having this conversation with a neighbor, and uh, someone had accused her on her job of being racist. And she's got a little half-breed girl, right, a half-breed daughter. So she's like, my fucking daughter's half-black. How could I be racist? And I sat there, and I, I seriously <laughs> contemplated to myself, Triple, do you really want to waste your time talking to this puss-colored bitch about how wrong she is when you know that it's not really going to do nothing? So I sat there and I looked at her daughter, and her daughter says, right, I'm black. And I was like, no, you're not. I just walked away. I said, no, the fuck you're not. No, you're not. No, the fuck you're not. You wish, but you're not. You know? Does it make sense in some instances? In an instance like that where I'm talking to somebody who was nothing, Come on, let's just be honest. I don't mean it rude. I don't really give a fuck if it sounds rude either. She ain't shit. It was a waste of my time, my breath, and my intelligence to say something to this puss-colored woman about that. But in an institution yeah. of learning and education, I got to weigh whether or not it is worthy of my mention. Is it going to advance the purpose of me being in that institution of higher education for me to speak yeah. up and say something to the puss-colored educator who is misrepresenting historical facts. Or, 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 is it to my best interest and highest good to process this and to build this into the work that I will have to do with whatever the lies are that this puss-colored so-called educator is propagating in this classroom? <laughs> because, see, that's how I used to do it in college, okay? I was there. Yeah. At, first, at first, I went the fuck off. You know, I remember... Prop 8, when the whole Prop 8 shit went down, I was in college at the time still, when they reversed Prop 8 in California and took away them gay people's rights to so-called get married and all that old shit. I will never forget, it's a so-called Africana Studies class being taught by a pus-colored woman, and this is a part of why I actually dropped out of the Africana Studies department, because more and more white people were teaching the courses, and I didn't like that shit. What was happening to all the black tenured professors, and how come the tenured black professors were not getting classes assigned to them? I didn't like it. So anyhow, we're in class. It's an online class, thank God. Because I said, if it's got to be a white woman teaching, I'm, I'm not going to sit in class and be subjected to this. I'll be online and check in when I want to. That's way better. So she allows the gay white males in the class to barrage the black students in the class in the uh, forum, the open forum that we were talking about this Prop 8 huh. issue and how this is a political science slash Africana studies issue because of the civil rights piece, right? So they were using Prop 8 to talk about civil rights in an Africana studies course. Oh, God. A course that counted for the major, for the major, okay? So this this white kid starts saying, well, I'm gay, and I'm originally from Louisiana, and I just cannot even understand how black people couldn't support this. Like, you all should know better of all people what it's Ah. like to be discriminated against. And this shit is allowed to go on. He attacks everybody. I'm seeing black kids go out of their way to try to, well, no, and you can't hold all black people accountable. And doing all this here, I posted one comment in the thread. 
one comment, and it was enough for the teacher to want to kick me out of the class. I said this. None of us should even be responding to this. We are here to be educated by this teacher. We are not here to be put on trial by the gay white male students in this class for why Prop 8 did not pass in California, why it was reversed. We should not have to even engage in this conversation. This is nothing to do with the assignment at hand, and this itself is discriminatory against black people's rights to have their own religious, their own moral codes and doctrines, and not be caught up in things that are not in their best interest nor highest good. I got a call right. from the teacher. She went and found my phone number in the, the whole class directory and called <laughs> me and spoke with me about how she felt that I was just being the most inflammatory person in the class and, you know, I was just being antagonistic and didactic. And, I mean, she of just course. told her should it be. And I said to her, I know, because a black woman has no right to stand up and correct anything that she sees as an injustice unless she is laying herself down in defense of someone else. But if she's in defense of herself, she will always be wrong. She will always be out of place. She will always be needing to be corrected. She will always be the most inflammatory yes. person in the thread. You know what I mean? And I just yes. respond back to her like that. And, well, if you feel that way, maybe you should leave my class. I said, you know what? I've paid for this class. So you're going to do your job, and you have a good day. And hung up the fucking phone. I will not let these people do this to me. But, you know, and I, I decided to take the class pass-fail as well. Because I'll be damned if I let this puss-colored bitch fuck my grade point average either. Right. So right. I switched it to pass-fail. And it didn't matter. It was something I needed for the major. It was totally irrelevant. I, you know, whatever. And I did it pass-fail, and I passed the class. I did the bare fucking minimum because I knew I did it pass-fail. I'm not fucking giving you shit. I'm going to do exactly what I need to do and nothing else. And you can fuck off and you can kiss the fattest part of my fat black booty, baby. Because I'm not in this shit. See, we have to weigh when is in our best interest and highest good to open our mouths and say something. Because no matter what we say or how we say it, the fact that you are a black woman means they're always going to try to come back against you hard and make you the scapegoat. Too many black women have allowed this for so long. You know, we've gotten under these patriarchal religious faiths. And I know we thought we were doing what was right. We thought we were doing in our heart what we felt was right. And we've been misled and misguided. There's a lot of truth in a lot of it. So take the pearl and throw the fucking dirty-ass water out, but don't throw out the baby with it, you know. And come out of some of this forgiveness and turn the other cheek. And God got it. And Jesus got it. And Allah got it. And the Most High got it. And the Creator. Come out of the universe and the ancestors going to do. And so-and-so going to come back from the grave. We have got to get out of this shit and start living in the now. Mm. What am I going mm-hmm. to do right now in this situation with whatever is in my power? Well, I got the power to curse her. This teacher going to get on my nerves. You know what, bitch? You'll never get another Africana Studies class. And if you ever get hired back at this university again, I don't even know what my name is. <laughs> okay? And say something. Do something with your energetic imprint that's creative. See, we've got the power to create all kinds of harm against our, well, I should have did this. I should have been, maybe I should have never said nothing. No, don't do all of that mm-hmm. shit. Soon as somebody mm-hmm. causes you to be upset, what you need to do is a forgive yourself for letting it impact you, and then get to working on the asses. <laughs> what can you do to change it? You know what? I might not say nothing right now, 
But when I do my assignment, I'm going to address this shit, and the teacher's going to have to relive this and deal with this. I'm going to cunningly, slyly enter this into their consciousness and leave it with them instead of me carrying it. I'm going to go on and be the baddest motherfucker in my field, and I'm going to change policy right. because I cannot allow this to go on anymore. We have got to stop crying, whining, complaining, oh, what was me, they won't let us. No, fuck all that. They're always going to do this. You know, I read this article yesterday. Y'all, I posted this on the Angry Diva page. Is this um I think he's Chinese, but you know, don't don't fucking quote me. Let me find the article. But basically Yeah, what I saw that. I was, saw it. Oh, you saw that? If you're poor yeah. at thirty five, you deserve it or something like that. Yeah. That was yes. fucked up. Hey, let me get this article, y'all. This is a hot ass mess. Hold on. Okay, there it goes. Chinese billionaire says if you're poor at thirty five, you deserve it. I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm just going to go into some of the bits that I thought were fucking amazing. Because he tells testimonies okay. and stuff, and that's all well and good. But he says people lose out in life because of four reasons, all right? Here's the four reasons. And I'll tell you, he's fucking telling the truth. And I'll tell you something else. A lot of this is dark wisdom, and it's going to go over a lot of people's heads. But whosoever will and whosoever has an ear, let them hear. Being myopic to opportunity. I'm going to tell you, I know that personally. I went to go get my hair done a couple of months back. I'd never been in this place before. These Senegalese people, they just took such a shine to me. The mother invites me to a party. I didn't have anything to wear. I was like, I can't go with these Africans. These motherfuckers would be blade. And all my good clothes is in storage. You know, and I don't have, I got rid of stuff, and I don't have any fine gowns because I haven't gone into any galas in a while. And I'm looking at the stuff I did have, and I wasn't feeling it, so I didn't go. I didn't go. And I was too shook to even call the mother because I was like, oh, how do I tell uh, her I can't go because uh-huh, I'm not dress? Uh-huh. You know, I didn't even call her and tell her. Blew an opportunity, but it will come back around. And I know that. But I understood the value of what I did. I was myopic about opportunity, all right? Looking down on opportunities. This motherfucker just offered me a job for fucking $17 an hour. Uh-uh, my worth is at least 20 at least, bitch. Listen, as long as you're dealing in the least, you might as well at least take you that 17 That's still a least amount. But you don't understand that that $17 an hour job is your own ancestral line's way of opening you up to six fucking figures, yo. And you never got there because you look down on opportunities. Number three, lacking understanding. You know, I'm going to apply that to us internally. We don't understand ourselves and what makes us tick, what makes us great. And because we don't understand those things, we often miss out on life. We don't understand who we are and what we need. And moreover, we are not willing to be bold enough to absolutely insist that what we need is important and that we understand that we need it. And if it cannot be met, you get the fuck on. It takes a long time to get there. That's one of the reasons that we miss out on life. All right, here's the last one. Failing to act quickly enough. I'm going to tell you all this story. I chant. I have a chant circle. I have this vision. I'm sitting with my sister friend. She does Reiki. And I take a candle, and I dress the candle. I've taken, I have uh, some copper, silver, and gold wire with gemstones and precious. I mean, you know, I'm just doing my thing. Making it pretty. Mm-hmm. I decorate the candle. It's one of those glass, in the glass candles, right? I hand it to my friend. My friend does some um, Reiki. It was a spiral symbol that she used. So that's the, that's the divine spiral, the divine spark of life. It's also representing, excuse me, the mother and the child. I had a hiccup there. 
And so I pass it to her. She does that. And then, um, you know, I came out of the vision. And I said, oh, my goodness, wouldn't it be wonderful? We're doing these chants so that we can come together to do healing for our chakras, in our chakras, our energy centers. So heart-centered healing, solar plexus or your will-centered healing, you know, your womb healing for your creativity, root chakra healing for any sex issues, throat chakra healing for any time when you can't speak up or you talk too fucking much, in my case, uh, you know, and on and on and on. And I said, <laughs> wouldn't it be wonderful if we had this sacred medicine this Reiki-charged energy that we can work together with it. It was white candles, you know. Um, and so I, I told my friend about it, and I said, I'm, let's add this component to what I'm already doing. Well, my friend didn't act quickly enough. I found everything for her, even down to the, the beautiful um, beeswax that you would need to make the candle with and how to do it and all of that. told her exactly how to do it. She never did anything with it. And because she didn't do anything with it, it didn't grow. But not only did it cost her, because she lost out on money, she never made a dime, but it slowed down my money flow as well, because this was something that we were supposed to be doing together. And because I was not prepared, look at that, all right? I lacked understanding. I thought I had to make her a part of it. Why couldn't I have her teach me how to do it and do it myself? But no, I lacked understanding, and she failed to act quickly enough. So we both missed out on an opportunity, but I am the only one who took away the lesson, and that is okay. Sometimes that's how it is. You can't be concerned with who else get or don't get it. It's about what you right. get so that you don't miss out on life. So that's one thing I love, right, because you're poor because you have no ambition. Ambition is living a life of great ideals, a magnificent goal in life that must be realized. And I thought to myself, you know what, Triple? What the hell happened to our ambition? One of the things that has predominantly been uh, a, a great descriptor about me is that I am ambitious, driven, and actually my friends, my high school friends, referred to me as the bulldozer. One of my good friends, his name was Teddy. <laughs> he said, I fear anybody getting your way because you a bulldozer. You will bowl right over and through that motherfucker. And I looked at him. I said, yeah, you're right. I will. So nobody had better get in my way. I'm going to fuck who you are. Don't get in my way. You get in my way, you got to get gone. And I'm going to take care of you, and you're not going to like how I deal with it. So you just better make sure you don't get in my way. And I was absolutely comfortable with that. But something happened between that high school, you know, real cocky bitch and, and you know, turning 20 and dealing with the church and the whole fucking submit and be good and humble and turn your other cheek and all that fucking ass bullshit. And I said to myself, this killed my ambition it killed my ambition because i started believing in that blessed all the meek and the humble and the fucking <laughs> cold and all of that bullshit beatitude fuckery that they told us that's not true okay so i i'll start reading the rest of this article and he goes on <laughs> if not for the incident Wu she hung i might not be saying that right don't don't cut me would not have had the ambition to become rich, and her life would have been taken uh, on a very different path then. So then he lists off the other reasons we've told. You are poor because you do not have the desire to become successful. Mm. A lot of us say we want success. Do you have any idea what that means? You know, I want success huh. for Angry Divas, but at the same time, I'm going to be honest enough to say that I don't. You know why? 
because it's going to require so much more of my time and my energy then. It's already requiring a whole fucking lot out of me, you know? I'm putting in about a third, though. I'm putting in about a third. If I had to put in another third or two more thirds to make that a whole, that's a lot. But I'm realizing that even all I put in is only a third of what I can do. Be honest with yourself. Realize when even what you're doing now, even though it's the best shit ever, it's still only a third. You've only realized one-third of your potential. I think that's an important realization to have. So we don't have the desire to become successful a lot of the time because we don't really get how great thou art. We miss it. So we only operate on a third of what the fuck is, is three parts of a whole. One-third out of three parts of a whole is what we mostly operate on. We lack the desire to become successful. We're not whole. You're poor because you lack foresight. Mm-hmm. You can't foresee what's going to happen. You can't foresee if I, if I, you know, I make a meeting today and, um, you know, I'm supposed to be meeting with this financial planner, right? And uh, I don't really feel like meeting. I feel like fucking watching TV and playing films, you know what I'm saying? I'm just rescheduled the shit. Well, now this financial planner don't have any time for me for the next year, year and a half. Oh, my God, I lack the foresight to see that doing what I have to do now gives me the ability to do what I want to do in a moment. But if I do what I want to do now, I will not be able to do what I have to do because it's going to take me more time because I squandered an opportunity. I didn't have the foresight to see that this was the very thing I was asking for, which is why now I got to learn the lesson. I'm going to have to wait a whole year, year and a half to do the very thing that had already been pre-set up for me to do right now today. We lack foresight. That's just one example. You're poor because you cannot overcome your cowardice. Ooh, y'all. Ooh, I remember when Triple got here. I started out not giving a fuck. And then I swung off to another area where I started being very, well, I don't want anyone to think that I'm mean. Well, I don't want anyone to think that I'm this. Well, I don't want, you know what? Who gives a flying fuck about what people think of you? Can you pay your bills with their thoughts? Can your children eat their words about you that are in malice? It ain't work for me neither, baby. All right? I can't even wipe my ass with their thoughts. I can't even get the shit off my ass crack with their fucking thoughts. (laughs) Why should I give a damn? Come on now. This is being real. You know, I can't do anything with their damn thoughts. So fuck them. We can't overcome our cowardice. I couldn't overcome that cowardly, you know, that, think about the cowardly lion. Not the motherfucker from the Oz, but the motherfucker from the Wiz, all right? Think about how that lion was, was talking and, and acting and all, you know, and I'm a mean old lion. Mean old lion. He wasn't talking about no cowardly lion. He was a mean old lion. He was trying his best to put his best foot forward. But as soon as somebody challenged him, he didn't have the cojones to keep it going. Mm. Right. How many times are we afraid of our right to let the lion roar? So we can't overcome that cowardice because if I fucking let the lion roar, they're going to all know I'm a lion. Yeah, bitch. And if you bite them, they're not going to fucking poke the lion no more. <laughs> you know? to just not eat you because you didn't eat it. If the motherfucker's hungry and decided you was it, tag, you're it, motherfucker, rotisserie bowl. 
You know? We got to give ourselves the right to that. I'll tell you what. When I learned that vampirism was a sacred order created by Mommy, Aset, Isis, Ost, y'all know that they didn't renamed her, basically her, Aset. When I found out that Aset divined the vampire and that it was a sacred healing order before it was ever an obscure, fucked up, crazy ass thing, I understood that even vampirism was a good thing. If I'm having a fucked up day, I'm going to go to the mall. Do you have any idea how good the feed is at the mall? Because people are oblivious. They're shopping. You know what I mean? They're just wide the fuck open. So you have a bad day, and you walk through the mall, and you see somebody with a real good spirit. Go have a conversation with them. I told y'all earlier, conversations is energetic alchemy. I didn't say go sit and dump your whole fucking burden. Okay? But maybe... Maybe strike up a conversation about nothing at all and have a cup of coffee. See how you feel after that. You know, come into a different way of relating to things to overcome the cowardice. Because when you have a need for something, when you have a desire for something, when you just think it would be nice if the motherfucker was in your possession, even if you never did nothing with it, the reason we have not is because we ask not and we seek not. We will find it if we look for it. That's how we overcome that cowardice. You're poor because you lack courage and determination. Well, we didn't talk about courage. You know what I mean? We talked about the cowardly line and how to get your courage on. You have to be determined when you know what it is that you want. You could have 50 people tell you no, but that, that one spark in you is going to attract the one person who's going to say, actually, you know what, you can do this. And that is enough fuel, enough food, enough energy that you have absorbed that's not negative, but it's positive. It's going to feed you for you to keep on keeping on and try one more time. You know, Henry Ford, before he was Henry Ford, he was just a motherfucking crazy person in his garage trying to make the first horseless carriage, okay? Just, just a crazy person. All his friends thought he lost his mind. They told him he was nuts. The only person who believed in that motherfucker was his wife. And his wife said to him, just keep going. You can do this. One day you're going to make this happen. We have cars today because Henry Ford's wife told him to keep trying. Because a woman's love and inspiration, a woman's food was enough to sustain him to keep him trying one more time to actually get that shit right. And now today, it's like it ain't even nothing. If you ain't got a car, actually something wrong with you. A lot of people look at me like, how come you don't have a car? Well, I have road rage as a passenger. I don't need to drive, you know. <laughs> a whole other thing going on here. But just because he quite encouraged him. To, uh, George Washington Carver for his idea for the assembly line. I'm not trying to say that he doesn't deserve it. I'm not in any way trying to besmirch or discredit anyone. And I always appreciate y'all who have the wisdom who can come in and who can make sure that we get those pearls because, you know, I can't remember everything. That's why this is, you know, a collaborative effort. Thank you. I, I certainly mean no harm to not mention George Washington Carver. You know, if we can talk about George Washington Carver for a little bit, talk about determination, that man was a eunuch. And now I know when we deal with white folks doing it, we get very upset, but this is actually a matriarchal, ancient African thing where you were not, as a male, permitted to have access to the queens, to the priestesses, unless you were eunuch. If you had a penis, 
you're reliable to assault or attack or overpower or try to do something that would change that woman, change her status, and compromise her. It had already happened before, so it just wasn't allowed. Well, George Washington Carver was a slave at the time, a young boy, as, as the story goes, as they tell our story, his story about who we are and our origins, says that George Washington Carver was a slave as a young boy at birth. And that the master of George Washington Carver wanted a companion for his daughter. And so he offered up that he would, he, he said of his own words, I've read this, that he did not want to be seen as a threat. And so he did not see a problem with offering it up. And this is why he never got married nor had any children. They castrated him. But I'm going to say to you that because, and this is not going to get me much popularity, and, and I don't care, <laughs> but because. He was initiated in that way because of that action against him. He was also very much so endorsed. I know he hasn't been credited with a lot of things. Y'all know that they're not going to give us our proper due. If we keep looking for somebody else to credit us and call us God, we ain't never going to know. That's another spell of Leviathan. You just got to hear it from somebody else instead of telling yourself until yourself believes it. But because of this sacrifice, think about it that way. All of this other greatness was able to pour out of him. He did not have anything coming out of him that would distract him or concentrate him down into one form that can be easily manipulated. That's another reason they won't credit him, because he is the father of a lot of the things that we enjoy on this planet to this day. He's more than just Mr. Peanut. He has invented and, and, and or created the basis of the invention of almost every electronic, every technological advancement. He, some of his stuff was built upon by even other black people, people who built the cell phone, the traffic light, yada, yada, yada. We can go on and on and on with all of these details. But these people, no matter what happened to them, George Washington Carver was castrated by racists. He still had courage and determination. And because of him, because of what he did, somebody else could borrow from this and have this experience to be able to produce something else. You know, vampirism is a sacred and holy order. Whether we like it or not, vampirism runs everything. But if you're afraid of it, you will always lack the courage and the determination to make sure that you win, that you're not poor of mind, of body, or of spirit. And the list goes on, y'all. It goes on. Your ambition, with ambition, you can overcome inferiority and maximize your potential. With ambition, you can persevere, continuously learn new things, and strive for perfection. With ambition, you can defy all odds and create miracles when others daren't. You know, other black folks say things like they won't let us and look at the history and what they've always done, and as soon as you try, they're going to do, and that shit kills your ambition, your determination, your perseverance, and it definitely keeps you in inferiority. You can't overcome inferiority because you lack perseverance, ambition, determination. You lack the ability to continue to try and try and try and to make miracles in places and in ways where others dare not. I refuse to believe the narrative that says that black people can't be shit. Black people have done some of the most one just because we don't know because it's not celebrated doesn't mean we ain't never did it. But we 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 need people to constantly be studying themselves. See, look, what was the other thing he said? One of the first four. 
you lack understanding. And I said we don't understand ourselves, not who we are, who our race of people is, or who our bloodline, our tribe, whatever, your star marker, your cosmic family, we don't understand the contributions that we have made to this planet. And these things keep us poor. It keeps us poor. No matter how poor your family is, do not doubt your own abilities and lose sight of your ambition. I got to tell you, at one point in my life, I did. I started to lose sight of my ambition. I started looking at the fact that nobody in my family had been to college. All the women in my fucking family, all my cousins and them, was mamas without husbands. You know what I mean? Um, with niggas who abandoned them and their children. They was all on fucking state assistance and shit and crying about how they was going to take care of their babies. They had to live in Chelsea and fucking New Bedford and way the hell out away from their family to afford the rent. They had to do all kinds of things. They were always under stress. Their faces began to suffer. They lost their beauty and their youth. And I did not want that for me. But at one point, things got to be so hard and so fucking overwhelming for, my, for me in my life that I felt, what the hell is the point? Nobody in my family's ever made it. My family's been poor for years now. We weren't always poor, but it just seems like every time we try to do something to restore us, there's something that fucking happens to ruin it. So what's the point? And when I just when I said, what's the point? Just when I was crying and having my little pity party temper tantrum, I swear to you, my grandmother came and she knocked me upside my fucking head. My grandmother been dead since before I was born, okay? My grandmama hmm. came and she knocked me upside my fucking head. And she said to me, you bear my name, make something of it, and left. And I, I was shaking. I was, I was shaking. I'm shaking now. I've got chills and goosebumps all over me from head to fucking toes. And I just remember sitting there and thinking about all that my grandmother had sacrificed. You know, when she was but 12 years old, my grandfather raped and impregnated her. She had to get married to this man because at that day and age, that's what she did. This motherfucker put nine more babies, raped them into her, and she raised those children and loved those children and worked her ass off. She created her own business in a time when black women wasn't doing nothing but washing Miss Ann's floor and putting her titty in Miss Ann's baby's puss-colored face as mouth. That is what my grandmother did in her time. Even with all the... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.